Wow! What a dilemma. Joseph, the carpenter from Nazareth, loves Mary dearly. They're espoused. At the end of a year of being espoused, they will be married. Mary came to Joseph and said, I'm going to have a baby. He loved her so dearly, he didn't know how to respond to that. He was a righteous man. He thought Mary was righteous. How could he live with the fact of infidelity before they were even married? The options crossed his mind. I can publicly divorce her. The reason will be given, adultery. And by the law of Moses, one who is an adulteress is to be stoned to death. He didn't want that for her above everything else. He did love her. He could go ahead and pretend that the child was his. But that would be building a marriage on deception. And every man he met in the village, he would wonder, is that the father of the child that I claim? He could divorce her privately, giving no reason for the divorcement. Simply let her blend into obscurity. And when the child was born, the people would assume that he had violated her. And that seemed to be the best course to take. Simply because she would be hurt less by that action than any other. What a decision to have to make. And in it all, he was heartbroken above everything else. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Joseph. Mark doesn't even mention his name. <clears throat> Joseph is never quoted in all of the scripture. It is almost as though he existed only to allow the writers to say that the birth line of Jesus extended to David through Joseph, though he was not the actual father. Beyond that, the writers had little time to give to Joseph and his part in the great drama. But what an omission it is because there is hardly anyone in the nativity drama that plays a more dramatic and dynamic role than does Joseph. God chose him. That set him apart. God choosing a surrogate father obviously would choose the very finest. And he was in love with Mary, the one chosen by God. Tradition fills in the empty spaces where the gospel writers have not talked about Joseph. Having developed a good trade in Nazareth as a carpenter, well respected by the community because of the quality of his work. Many think that Nazareth is a terrible place for a Messiah to be reared, but in reality it was one of the most important places that one could find for the rearing of a Messiah. <clears throat> 
Look to the east, and there's the Mediterranean Sea and all of the commerce upon the sea. And to the right, just beyond the ridge where Nazareth lies in a valley, is one of the major roads of the region, the road over which Alexander the Great traveled, the great trade route today where people from all over passed in proximity to Nazareth. Growing up, Jesus would be in contact with all of these, which gave him a broader vision of the world without. And so it was in the village of Nazareth that Joseph had set up his carpenter shop. Romantists say that he watched Mary grow up. As she passed his shop day by day, he marveled at her grace and the beauty and the righteous nature of her life. They say he was much older than she, and he would be in a position to make these judgments based more than just simply an attraction. It was at the age of 12 that a child became available for marriage in their culture. Parents usually joined a boy and a girl together long before they reached that age and determined that they would be married. The choice was not left up to the individual, and if they reach beyond the age of 12 without having made a match, then a matchmaker would be employed to find someone for that daughter to marry. But in Joseph's instance, he loved her. He dreamed of the day when she would be old enough that they could be married. And tradition says it was at the age of 12 that they became espoused. Being a carpenter, he had built a home for them there in Nazareth, put in the finest of materials, made it as attractive and beautiful as he could for that wonderful bride. Being a carpenter par excellence, he built all of the furnishings for that house. It was to be a place worthy of the one he loved. And now this. She announced that she was carrying the child of somebody else. <coughs> and whether or not he inquired or whether she volunteered the f information, she said, no man has done this to me. The Holy Spirit came upon me and it is a child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, sure. What other person in history has been determined to have been a product of the Holy Spirit. Only she, the first in all time. How could he believe such a thing as that? It was a trying time for a man who loved a woman dearly, felt betrayed by her, saw a future dreamed about so long dissolve into nothingness. And he was ready to step out of the picture, let Mary go her way, and he go his. And it was at that moment then that he dreamed. We talked about those who were involved in the nativity. The angel came and stood at their side and made pronouncements as opposed to visions that had occurred in the Old Testament. No angel came to Joseph. It was while he dreamed that he was told the child truly is a child of the Holy Spirit. Don't hesitate to take Mary as your wife. She has not violated the marriage. 
she has not been unfaithful to you. And the child that is being carried by her will be born, and you will give the child the name Jesus, because he will save the people from their sins. <clears throat> to Joseph's credit, he believed it. He could have worried even beyond then to wonder if this were only a dream or whether it was an authentic pronouncement. But in his heart, he wanted to believe, and he chose to go ahead as though nothing had happened. They would consummate the marriage, and they would rear the child. The role that Joseph played was dramatic and very important in the fulfillment of the ministry of Jesus. He was a surrogate father for God. What an important role that he was to play. Not only was he to be an example by which Jesus would follow in growing up, but he would, be, he would have the responsibility for nurture and teaching and bringing up the child in a way that would be worthy of the Son of God. He had the responsibility that any father has, but his was unique. The child he was rearing was God's own son. The responsibilities were heavy, but he fulfilled them. We know that he fulfilled them because when Jesus talked about God and he referred to him as my father, he used the word Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Jesus would not have called God Daddy. He was Father. But he would call Joseph Daddy. And so he began to envision the role that Joseph played as being the nature of God himself. Our Father in Heaven is the Daddy that I knew growing up. My Father, Joseph. Little is said of the nurture of Jesus during his childhood, but he obviously was reared as any other child in the village would be reared, growing in wisdom and stature as the scriptures describe it. When they went to Jerusalem, their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem at Passover, and they took Jesus when he reached the age of 12 because then he could participate as an adult. They worried frantically about him when he disappeared, and when they found him, they took him home, and he was obedient to them. Jesus would not be obedient to the father who would misuse his role and responsibility of the father of a child. So Joseph filled the role marvelously. And when it came for Jesus to make a decision as to how he would earn money, to provide for his needs. There were many options that he could have followed. But the one that he chose was the occupation that his father followed, Joseph. He became a carpenter himself. And we can envision the many hours in which Joseph and Jesus were in the carpenter shop. And as they took the wood and admired the grain of the wood, as they caressed it into becoming a beautiful piece of art, furniture, as they worked together in building buildings, they bonded together, a father and a son, sharing and growing and learning together. How important that is in the life of a child. 
today we are becoming increasingly aware of the fact of the importance of a father and a mother together in the rearing of a child and the great loss when there is not a father figure there to nurture the child. God chose Joseph and he was there. He was a good father so much so that Jesus took the role of Joseph and described the role of God. The writer of our lesson told about a group that were asked to draw what they thought God looked like, a group of elementary children. Some drew rainbows, others drew imaginary figures because none knew exactly what God looked like. But here was one picture that looked as though it were the picture of a person. And the teacher said to the child, now what made you make God look like this? And the child answered, I've never seen God. I don't know what God looks like, so I drew a picture of my father. That's what Jesus saw as Joseph's role. He was the father that he would reveal to the world, a loving, caring, nurturing, sacrificial father. Joseph was a great husband. He took care of Mary. We can only imagine the arduous journey that they took from Nazareth to Bethlehem on the occasion of their going to register. She was at the point of delivering a child. He alone could care for her, and so they set out on that tortuous journey. How at night he must have laid down a blanket upon the ground and saw that she was secure and comfortable before he himself went to sleep. And when they got to Bethlehem, he sought out a place where she would be comfortable. He knew that the child could come at any time. He wanted a place where she would be comfortable and cared for. And when he went to the inn and found no place there, he found a stable and there he prepared it for her so that she would be comfortable in the giving birth to the baby. Unfortunately, we have no pictures of the hours of the night in which he wiped the perspiration from her brow as he spoke caressing words in order to make the labor easy. How when the baby came, he prepared the baby and wrapped it in swaddling clothes. All of these were carried out by the husband who loved the woman who had given birth to the little boy. Two or three years ago, Bishop Jones, most of you know, uh, retired from the Episcopal Church, was living in Johnson City. He attended St. John's at the time, and he had an open house at his home, and Carlene and I were invited. And he had a collection of crashes, nativity scenes throughout the house. He had found them in all parts of the world, and each one reflected the culture of the place from which it came. I loved one that came out of the West. He had found it in Arizona. They were there about the fire as they pictured it in their minds at the time of Jesus' birth. And Joseph was bent over an open fire with a skillet, and in the skillet were two eggs. He was cooking breakfast for Mary. How human. And he did, of course. Who else would have prepared breakfast for her after that night of labor? He was so sensitive to her needs. God spoke again to Joseph. 
the little boy is in danger of losing his life, Herod wants to kill him. He'll find him if you stay anywhere here. So go to Egypt and take the little child so that he will be protected. And when it's safe for him to come back, you can bring him back. <clears throat> this was a sacrifice that Joseph did not expect to have to make. He had labored for years to build up his practice, his business in Nazareth. He had his customers who were waiting for him to complete projects. He had others who would be coming to him for duties to be performed on their behalf. But he couldn't go back. He left and went to Egypt to a strange place where he had no employment, where he had no friends. He left it all behind unhesitatingly because the Holy Spirit had said the child is in danger. I have a theory on how Joseph took care of his family in Egypt. He had no way to build a trade there to earn money. He needed to provide food and lodging for his family. When the wise men came they brought him gold. I bet he used that gold to take care of his family in Egypt. What a thoughtful gift for the wise men to bring to know that you're going to need money beyond what you're able to earn to take care of the child. That's just a little bit thrown in that has no basis for truth. Could be. But he unhesitatingly left the security of his home, went into Egypt, into a strange land for only one reason and that was to protect the little child that had been put into his care. And then after Herod died, the Holy Spirit came to Joseph again and said, now you can go home. And so he took his wife and the little child and they returned to Nazareth and life began there as it would have much earlier. And then the story ends Joseph is heard of no more. Many think that he died and never was able to see the result of his nurturing the little child to adulthood. But he had already made an impact. He had already fulfilled the mission that needed to be done. And Joseph, who is rarely mentioned, for whom no churches are named, no hospitals are named, who is forgotten by the writers of the scriptures, who's mentioned only for the sake of developing a lineage back to David, is one of the real characters who made it possible for Jesus to become who he was. Now, it's difficult to leave someone like Joseph and talk about someone like Herod, but the writer of our lesson material did just that. He introduced Herod because he is a meaningful character in the Nativity story in order to show what threat there really was to the life of Jesus. When the wise men came to Herod, asking where the little child was born because he was to be king of the Jews, Herod knew that he was king of the Jews. He was king of all of that region, the title given to him by Rome. And next to the emperor at Rome himself, he was the most formidable character in all of the ruling of Palestine. He was a great organizer, a great builder. He had rebuilt the temple in order to placate the Jews and to win their loyalty. He was part Edomite and part Jewish and so he wanted to overcome that by winning the loyalty through material things. 
but his cruelty was well known. Anyone who opposed Herod would lose his life. And the terrible killing of the innocents that took place by Herod, which Jesus was spared. Tradition says that there in the wilderness there's a cave where Elizabeth and Zechariah took John the Baptist and hid him so that he not die at the hand of Herod's soldiers. But they were killed by the scores by a man who had no conscience in order to protect his throne. He killed his own wife, killed two of his own children, killed his mother-in-law. And that was the tyrant that presided all over Palestine when Jesus came into the world. It was against the forces of evil that the forces of good would be pitted. Joseph was a man who loved deeply, who was described as being faithful to his religion, righteous in every way. And when God needed a simple father, he touched Joseph. And he fulfilled it marvelously. So let's not forget Joseph when we talk about the wise men and the shepherds and all the others that we place under our trees in a crash. Joseph is silent there as he is silent in the scriptures. But his influence is anything but silent. And what a role for fathers today to follow in ring as though theirs were God's gift to the world. Okay, let's have some questions to anything that we've talked about today. I usually don't give you time for that. When they went to Egypt, how long a span was it before they got back? Because when they, he was 12 when they went to pay their taxes, when he got lost in the there. So it had to have been in between there. It would have been two, three, or four years. Not very long because Herod died in 4 BC and Jesus was born before Herod died, of course. And so it was probably one or two years, but there's no scriptural reference that tells us exactly just that when Herod died, he brought him back to Nazareth. But it didn't do much better because the Herod's sons that took his place were as cruel as their father. But he wasn't bent on killing the children. Any other? Yes. And I know it didn't the idea didn't really you, but I really question that thing about Mary's age. I question whether the girl's twelve year old body was ready to bear a child. I think that probably was not written by people who just didn't know. <laughs> Well, <laughs> next question. Well, but we talk about how the girls started to develop a younger man. So the idea is they did not develop that young girl. My grandmother was 13 when she was married, barely 13. Bees were primitive times when. 
the life expectancy was much shorter than today and children often made early in order to produce families while they were still young. Now, I'm, I'm quoting biblical scholars here and I have yet <laughs> I, I have yet to read from any scholar who intimates that she was older than that. Now, what resources they use, I think, is purely out of the fact that the culture in that day and that uh, marriages took place just at the bloom of womanhood. Yes? The Old Testament is replete with references to uh, individuals like Methuselah that exceeded eight and nine hundred uh, years in age. Could their concept of a year have been so different from ours that twelve was in fact something greater on today's count? Well, you, you've raised something of great debate, and there's no definitive answer to that. No one knows. But at the time of Jesus, they had moved beyond the age of uh, living hundreds of years. Uh, now, we have accounts in the Old Testament of Hannah and others. Uh, Sarah, who were reaching the century mark and had babies, these were miraculous births. Uh, by the time of Jesus, uh, things had settled pretty much time to the the uh, length of a person's life pretty well depended upon the times and the illnesses and the things in which, which they live. Do we, do we though, want to look at it put everything in a human perspective as far as the way we look at things? But remember, this was, this was God's doing. And if God can do that, He can do, I mean, He can do it any way He wants to at any age He wants mm -hmm. to, right? Well, the scripture does not say that she was just at the bloom of womanhood. Um, traditionally, she is placed uh, being 12 or 13, and traditionally, Joseph is a much older man. In fact, the Roman Catholics, who will not admit to the fact that Mary had other children, insist that Joseph was married before, had sons and daughters by his first wife, and therefore the biblical account of Jesus' brothers and sisters has to do with Joseph's former wife. But there's nothing in Scripture to to uh, prove or disprove that. Boxy found which tend to discount that belief. But the Ossuary, yeah. James, son of Joseph, brother of Jesus. Right. Yeah. We Protestants, of course, believe that uh, Mary had other children and and they were part of the larger family, but Roman Catholics and others who insist that Mary be a virgin for the remainder of her life and have found this as a solution to that. Does that also mean that Elizabeth was about 45 or 50 when she had children? Mm-hmm. But they've been praying for years. Knowing <laughs> <laughs> it was extremely difficult for Joseph to accept this, but do you think it made somewhat of a difference to know that Elizabeth was having a child and that the angel had appeared and that these two things were tremendously unusual and that things were about to really happen? I see the point of your question, and, and yes, uh, but in that instance, uh, Zechariah was the father. It was a natural event that brought about the child. 
But uh, to be told that a child being carried by the person with whom you're espoused um, was brought about by the action of the Holy Spirit and not a person, that's a little harder to understand. Yes? You think Joseph was specifically picked out because he was a descendant of David? That fulfilled the prophecies that the Messiah would come from the uh, uh, line of David. Of course, he wasn't his real father, so it was a moot question as to whether he was of the lineage of, of David or not. But the reason for the genealogy in the New Testament stating so is to validate the uh, prophecy that the Messiah would come from the line of David. So interestingly, that it was honoring Joseph, but also the same. We have a we have a question from the back room. It's a comment. You mentioned something about hospitals in relation to naming uh, of Saint uh, of Joseph, uh, Saint a uh, mission Saint Joe in Nashville. Um. Yes, and, you know, uh, as I mentioned last week, have you ever heard of St. Mary's Hospital? Of course, they're everywhere, but they're Catholic hospitals. And I was mentioning Joseph as being, uh, right. well, yeah. But because, because Joseph has been recognized by the Catholic Church, and there's a special feast day for him, but by and large, Joseph is pretty well overlooked as a part of it. I love it when you have questions. It shows your interest. But we're going to have to, yes. When you started the lesson, you said they were spoused and they were to be married in a year. What does that mean? Okay, when you got married, you, you were married in a meth, by a Methodist ritual, weren't you? In a Methodist church. You stood at the entrance to the altar, down at the chancel, and the minister said, will you have this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? Will you have this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And you answer, I will. You don't say, I, you don't say that you're doing it now. You're just saying, I will do that. That is called the espousal. You go through the espousal. Then you walk up to the altar, and then the wedding takes place, and you take the actual vows. That's a holdover from the fact that at the time of Jesus, there was a one-year period of time in which the couple were espoused. <coughs> They were bonded to each other. They were not married. And if in that year's time any reason were to arise that they should not be married, then they would not be married. If at the end of that period there would have been no question as to the validity, then the marriage took place. That's why in the Catholic Church they post bans announcing that a marriage is to take place to give you a chance to say that marriage should not take place. And so at the end of the espousal in the Methodist service, the question is asked, if anyone has just cause why this couple should not be married, let him speak now or forever hold his peace. That means the espousal has come to an end, and if it should not go into the wedding, speak up now. <laughs> so that's, that was a period in which they were then. They were in the espousal period. But during that one-year period, it the man, all he had to say was, I divorce you, and he were divorced. And she was? 
I'm, I'm seeing how Marjorie's reacting to that one. <laughs> 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 it's interesting to get beyond that. So I've been interviewing Muslims for some time. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Was she then marked as someone that no one wanted, whatever the reason? Mary? No, if someone were not taken. Depends. Not depends. Depends on the reasons given. You know, the, the father. I mean, the husband may decide I don't want to get married after all. Um, no reason had to be given. It was just a matter of choice. But in Mary's instance, obviously, bearing a child would be noticed by everyone, and that was why Joseph wanted to do it secretly and not publicly, so that uh, people would know and it would appear as though it were his child. Well, we're out of time, and I'm sorry about that because I, I think you're raising some very interesting questions. Mark Russell, the piano playing comedian, yeah. said this week that Jesus was born in a stable because his parents had an HMO. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one to end on. <laughs> <clears throat> Thank you, man.